0: I was intrigued by what you said, that you had written uh, like a 300 page book on colors and genetics and stuff like that. Uh, Yes. um, How come you never went through and, uh, you know, even did like a publishing through Amazon or something like that, that'd be a pretty cool read.
1: Well, I still have it and I went through, got a copyright on it and I put it out on Facebook and multiple people didn't want to buy it because first off, it costs too much. And second, they wanted hardback. And I had made it full of color pictures, which costs about $1.75 a page. And unless I ordered in huge quantities, it was going to be very expensive. Uh, so I haven't really publicized it a little bit. I'll make it available to some people. And I've actually found a place that can do the costs considerably cheaper. So I'm looking at um, doing that. But I, and I talked to them this week. But I need to edit a couple things like your front page, back page, the covers and the spine have to be one PDF and mine are all one PDF. And then I also included some supplemental copyrighted articles in that book and they start with their own page numbers. So if I'm going to put in a book, I need to change the page numbers so that it goes from one to 300, not one to 300 and then one to 10 and one to 10. Okay. The, so that's how it is right now but it's it's really about I I started breeding birds in the 70s just for the colors and to understand how it worked and and then over the years I have learned how it works as far as the genetics and so I took a lot of pictures and there's lots of references in the book lots So there's probably 1500 references wow. <laughs> uh, and the references are for other articles in the old APJs concerning a certain color or other books, um, there's all kinds of references. And that's what makes the book really good is there's a huge amount of references that you can find other information about, specifically pigeon color
0: on the plumage. And so how, how is that different than kind of breeding towards a type if you're just breeding for color? Are there certain, I know there's recessives and things like that. Like what would be the big difference?
1: Well, there's Two big differences on colors. So you have colors and then you have colors that modify the color. For instance, you can have an ash red bird and there's only three main colors in the pigeons, ash red, blue, and brown. And But if you put two doses of, of recessive red, so one parent carries recessive red, another parent carries recessive red, breed them together to get a baby that has two doses of recessive red and the baby turns out completely red and and masks whatever colors underneath it. So recessive red is like a modifying. It modifies the colors, but it's actually masking. The the ash, red, blue, or brown are still there. They're just underneath the recessive red. And pattern works the same way. So the next thing a person needs to understand is two kinds of genes on the chromosomes. One are called sex-linked genes and then other ones are autosomal genes. And a pigeon gets two autosomal genes, for instance, pattern. A young bird gets one pattern from his mom, one pattern from his dad, regardless of what the youngster's sex is. But on a sex-linked gene, the mother can give the baby one gene, not two, not a combination of two, only one. And then the male has two sex linked genes and so one of those two genes can give into the baby so there's a couple of combinations there from the father so once you understand about sex linked genes then it's really easy to know what your babies are going to be for instance if you have ash red hand and blue cock the blue can't be ash red because it would cover up the blue the blue cock has blue and blue or a blue and brown chromosome, gene on a chromosome, where the hen is red. So her babies, she's gonna give a red, ash red gene, and the father can give the blue gene. And so the baby, the baby cocks are gonna be ash red and um, they will carry blue. But you'll see it as ash red, but usually when they also have blue on them, then they're heavy fluked. Or even a little bit flecked, but they're going to be flecked. Where if it's a ash red that both parents were ash red, the baby's going to have a lot less flecking, or none at all. Interesting. And so once you can learn the, about the sex link and the autosomal, mm-hmm. it all really becomes a lot easier. It, yeah, that's the step right there. Okay. I've got some stuff in an email that I could send to you, you know, down the road in a day or two or something to. Yeah if, you, yeah if you, if you
0: have anything that you could uh, send we'll definitely put it up like on our social media too to kind of go along with the release of the podcast so people can follow along with it but uh yeah that would be especially if um, you know when the time comes in to get your book uh, available more uh, we definitely like to share that I mean especially genetics that's such a uh,
1: I like it I really like doing it yeah. I, I, I breed more birds for color genetics to learn how they work than I really do to make them show type birds. Even though I have some good show type birds, mm. I have much more genetic projects in my law And the big one I've been studying is spread, the gene called spread, which makes a blue pigeon black. And I've been studying that one since I think um, 1998. And I've come up with every combination I could figure out to see what's going on with that gene. And I pretty much have a good handle on it, but I don't think I could explain everything in a real short period of time. <laughs> uh, Jim, there's yeah, a lot Jim of things I learned. Yeah, like
0: you're saying, the combination—that's where it gets really crazy because there are so many different combinations that you can play with. What what was kind of your favorite of color and pattern when you were doing? Because you said your passes with show type uh, racing homers. What yes. were some of the colors that you were trying to
1: get on those guys? It wasn't as trying to get colors. It was, I was trying to understand how some of the colors work and to verify so but i will tell you my favorite color is reduced i love the color reduced mm-hmm. if you put it on a black checker you can get some really cool colors and i could send you a picture of those too yeah. there i love the reduced. there i just think they're they're a good pastel color and they're just pretty yeah. but i i like a good white too and there's multiple genes that cause white and so That can be complex if you're studying white. Just like bronzes, there's multiple bronzes. But I'll give you one little hint. I've got a couple birds out there that have amazing color. And people say, man, how did you do that? And I'm gonna tell you, they came from Lebanon pigeons. The Lebanon bronze really increased the intensity of the colors. Really, the Lebanon, huh? Yeah, and I got some birds from Falcon Lost. They're on the internet he, he's not there anymore but you can still find it he had some amazing colors on his website amazing stuff um another one that's real interesting is to when you get toy stencil frill stencil oh, yeah. red you can get some really neat looking birds too yeah now, that is a <laughs> really
0: cool pattern i like that on a lot of birds yeah,
1: yeah. another combination i just have worked with the last three years First time ever in the last three years is recessive opal. And I got a baby out there. It's just beautiful. They're kind of black, but they're not black. And they get some gray in them. And they're really striking looking. Yeah,
0: I definitely want to see some of the pictures. If you could uh, send those over, we'll put them up on our Facebook too and stuff. I have a
1: real, I have another strain of birds that actually came from England. I can't remember his first name, but his name's McClary. He lives, I think, in Australia now he had british show racers which are just a lot like show type homers but they're a little bit bigger a little bit longer boy does he have good patterns on his birds some of the best patterns i've ever seen on homers they're just consistently just hands down great check birds
0: All right. well i'm gonna open this hello and welcome to the all about pigeons podcast i'm phil chris is out working right now and he might come in later tonight i don't know we'll have to wait and see Today we have with us the chairman of the National Pigeon Association's Trust Fund, Mike Miles. Mike, thank you for coming on and talking with us. Oh, thank you. I'd be and, glad, I'm glad. i glad to be here. And to talk with, uh, talking with you about these genetics and stuff is really neat. What kind of, um, so show type racing homers, what are your current breeds of pigeons that you are working with right now?
1: In my coop, I've got some mookies. I have wow. one American show racer. Uh, probably three or four racing homers and all the rest are show type racing homers.
0: what's up with the one american show race what's your plans with one bird it,
1: it had a recessive opal in it which i have never used or had in my loft and i got it from kent wright in utah and i'm crossing it into my show types to come up with just another unique color that's not in the show types i've never seen it in the show type and i've had the show type homer since 1989.
0: okay and and you were a master breeder through the Utah Pigeon Club for for that type of breed
1: right yes yes okay. I've never applied for the National because I don't know if I I might qualify but I've never won the National Champion um I won a National Champion in this breed but it wasn't held at the same time as NP National mm-hmm. but it, and there was 138 birds and I took a champion so that's a good win. Yeah, it is. And I was, I was at Amarillo in 2020, and there was only 27 birds. So. so I've won some good stuff. I have won a reserve champion at an NPA show, at the NPA national. And I've won about 20 champions total, most of them in shows. Well, I've shown in Idaho and Utah and eight NPA nationals.
0: Will you be going to the nationals uh, in, is it
1: January, February, up in Kentucky? Yeah, right now my plan is not to, but people are trying to convince me to go. So, I am planning in two years for sure. I just don't know yet if I'm if I'm getting. Uh, I, I did see. I didn't get. I didn't get a chance
0: to see all the different results from the pageant. Didn't John DeCarlo Senior? Didn't he get like
1: three places on that? I don't know. I I haven't seen the results on that. In fact, I haven't even seen the results on the Utah Pigeon Club. Usually they have it on the website, but I haven't looked yet to see if it's if it's out there. I do, the one thing that's really unique about the Utah Pigeon Club is they, they'll put their show report on the website so you can see their show report. Well, some show reports are too big to do that, but pretty easy to go about looking at the show reports at the Utah at Pigeon Club shows.
0: So yeah, definitely. And you were saying before too that, I mean, your guys' club seems like it's it pretty good you got a pretty good uh, pretty good list of members on there
1: yeah they have a good list of members and like I said I'm not sure how many they have but one of the things that's really got going for them right now is Josh Zillis he's a NPA director but he runs that show and he does an awesome job he puts a ton of energy into it and really decorates it well it's well organized it's a really nice show to go to because it's decorated nice and we're always over a thousand pigeons, so it's medium to large show, and it's run well. Yeah. Can you explain to us and all the
0: listeners what what is the trust fund that the NPA runs?
1: Oh, That's what I want to talk about. So the, <laughs> So it's called, called the NPA Legacy Fund Trust, okay? Oh, it was created in around 2011. I don't know the exact date, and I should know that since I'm the chairman. um i've only been the chairman for going on uh, this will be my second year and and end of december will be two complete years so um, i know how it runs now the simple thing is is we take donations we take those donations we invest those donations we never spend the principal money that's sent to us it all goes into investments then the investments make dividends and interest we turn around and use those dividends and interest to help fund pigeon projects that's as simple as i can get yeah we help we help the npa and we help other clubs all you have to do is you have to fill out some paperwork and sometimes it's a little annoying but if you're willing to do the paperwork there's money there every year
0: that's what i like i mean when you sent me that list of all the different things that the uh trust fund has really helped with and it's and it's cool how you know, what is it, uh, the Hawaiian Pigeon Association for Cages and Tables, a uh, banner made for the Idaho State. So, I mean, this is this is like going directly to small pigeon clubs and it's, it's helping in a real way. It's not just a, hey, we're helping ourselves and we talk about you so we're kind of helping you. Like, you're literally sending these other clubs money and helping the club and helping the hobby, which I think is great.
1: And, and the great thing about this trust is that Most of the people, and I don't know the percentage, but it's in the high 90%. Most of the people have been people that breed pigeons have donated money to this trust. Mm. And this trust turns around and gives money back to clubs or projects. And it's money that they have invested and they're getting their investment back.
0: And really, there's really nothing else like, there's the ARPU um, and that's real specific for racers and stuff. But the, the NPA, you know, you can be a racer guy, you can be a roller guy, a fancy bird guy. It doesn't matter, like this encompasses all. It's the national organization for pigeon fanciers. And yes. and this is a big part of it right here.
1: Let me add a couple more items yeah. so, so that people know. So when this was started, it was, it started, I'll call it a daughter organization of the NPA. It is a program of the National Pigeon Association. Two, it was approved by the IRS, and in the state of Utah, where I'm chairman, it is registered in the state of Utah, and you can go onto their website and actually see what we call a 990 form, and see how we spend our money each each year. So, it's publicly allowed to see it. Now, for security reasons, we don't go into details of where and how and what we buy for investments, even though we'll talk to a person individually about it. (laughs) But we are required by law to send a report to the state of Utah, and those same reports go to the NPA and becomes part of their IRS tax filings at the end of every year. So when it was created, it was created under the rules of the IRS, and they made us a 501c5, the difference between a 501 C5 and a C3 is that you donate money to us, you cannot write it off on your taxes. It's a great program. I don't yeah. think we advertise it enough. I honestly
0: it, never knew about it until you reached out to me. So,
1: <laughs> And it's been going since 2011. That's yeah, And and,
0: and I really, I, you know, I spend a lot of time on the NPA's website and, you know, different things like that too. And I've never come across it uh it's there
1: i'll find it i'll send you an email after the show probably tomorrow and show you where to look and stuff okay yeah
0: yeah and uh definitely send a link where people can you know have the option to donate to as well the um one of the projects that you helped guys with or helped the npa with was that dvd program that they had running for yes um can you talk about that a little bit do you know much about that
1: i don't know much about it but i actually have a copy of the CD okay. um and maybe a year or so ago Tim the NPA secretary said that there were still some available and you just pay the shipping and they give it to you free and it talks about the CD just talks about the pigeon hobby okay. and so they wanted to make the CD and uh the trust was able to come up with some money to help fund it
0: okay yeah that's what it is yeah because the, C- the yeah because it's free
1: yeah, you just, you just pay for, for the
0: shipping yeah so right, if, right. and if you're already placing an order getting your bands or something like that it would be a good thing to pick up because it actually talks like hey if your city's ever passing bands or ordinances or anything like that you know this would be a good way to present it it's already laid out in a really good yeah, way good.
1: Um, now another thing people very few people know about some of the things the trust has been doing is we've been trying to work with other organizations and there's one I want to mention, and that's Jim Jenner. And if you know Jim, he's made all those videos about pigeons. Mm-hmm. And so he's got some good videos about pigeons. And we tried to make a project last year, and it, it fell through. But I think we're still going to do something in the future. Because the Trust, we have money available, and we're coming up with some very unique ideas. We just haven't publicized them all yet. So, And, and I'll tell you one idea. One idea is the NPA back in the 1950s, early 50s, they made a genetic booklet. We would like to get that updated and have the trust pay for it and make it available as cheap as we can to pigeon fanciers. And it, it's a little tiny booklet just about pigeon genetics. Oh, so, that's,
0: that's definitely something you never can stop learning about. I mean, it's that'd be a good one.
1: An, another one so on that list i gave you there's a a organization called camp carver it's in kansas and i can't remember john's last name right now but john runs it but he does whitebird releases and uses for and makes money off of it he's a 501 c3 organization and the money that they make off whitebird releases like at funerals and weddings and things like that he puts into his organization and his organization teaches young kids about agriculture, tries to help them get scholarships in the agricultural field. That's cool. And and so Camp Carver hasn't been publicized because it's not linked to the NPA, but I'm hoping to have a story on it in the future. But that, I actually think it's a very cool project. So we are able to get him a GoPro and a bunch of magazines for the kids and some books on pigeons. And he's promised me he's gonna get me some video on on some pigeons and i saw one of your podcasts that showed some birds in slow motion and i would love to get some video like that that's that was way cool
0: yeah yeah no whenever i do uh whenever i release my birds i always like doing the slow it looks you get more enjoyment man because when they take off they are out of there and so you slow it down it's a lot more fun
1: yeah yeah
0: you get to see a lot of like ins and outs with um you know from the national organization side to even working with some of these smaller clubs how do you see the hobby right now do you see it in like a state of growth or because you, um, you hear a lot oh you know we need to get young people and i mean like your club seems to be doing good the, the club that i'm a part of the arizona pigeon club we've doubled our members just in this last year it seems like well, it's got, really coming
1: this question popped up in a board meeting and tim Heinrich was there and he mentioned that we had as many members as we've had the prior couple years, and there's probably 1,500, probably 2,000 members, and probably 1,500 of them are members, and maybe up to 500 are, are kids or you know kids under 18. I don't think the hobby is growing substantially. I think it is more or less kind of staying the same as far as numbers, but... The, the average age is probably a little bit older. It's easier to take care of pigeons when you're retired. Kids have a lot of time on computers for both school work as well as gaming a lot. And so I don't think pigeons grow as, the pigeon hobby grows as much as it used to, but I think it's actually very stable. I think the Utah Pigeon Club has increased its membership or stayed the same but have been very much more active in the last five years. Okay. It, it, definitely our club, people become more active at the shows. People love showing that's what the pigeon, the fancy pigeons is all about is I want more shows. Yeah. That's what people would say. They want more shows. Yeah. And, and one of the things that people chase is a trophy or they want to get enough points to get a master breeder certificate. That's right. In their
0: yep. That's right. You know, one of the things I've noticed is, uh, especially with a lot of the new members in our club and even on like some of the social media platforms, I see this a lot, but a lot of these new pigeon people that are coming in are taking pigeons as pets, house Mm -hmm. pets, and it's not necessarily a big breeder loft, you know, they might have a couple of pigeons in their house, but uh, that seems to be a whole new kind of (laughs) section offshoot of the hobby, which is interesting and it's good, you know
1: i i could maybe handle one bird in my house but you know they get a little i don't want pigeon poop flying around my house and they do get a little dander on them yeah and so one would be fine i, I would probably bathe it a, a minimum once a week yeah um, and you could probably really tame him i had one bird that was sick a couple of years ago brought him in the house during the winter and hand fed him forever and ever and, and then he lived for about a year and still didn't make it but because it's hand feeding him, he wouldn't eat on his own after that. I'm like, come on, Uh, guy. (laughs) And so he got too tame at that point. uh,
0: No, that's, we have a, uh, we have a house pigeon. It's a central Asian tumbler. And uh, I mean, that thing is about as tame as, you know, I mean, it is a total pet. I'll take it outside and, you know, he'll fly up in the air and he comes back down and, you know, he'll hang out, and you know we got a perch up in the living room for him to hang out while we watch a movie or something. And I mean, they they definitely make good pets, and. They're a lot cheaper than buying some two thousand dollar parrot. That's for sure. Oh yeah, parrots are very
1: <laughs> expensive. They are expensive. However, you can look at a expensive racing home and pay a couple. Hundred oh right. Dollars. Yeah, that's yeah. what I need
0: to get. I need to get me one of the million dollar pigeons in here for my house pet. <laughs> that would be really good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, if you have enough money, you get to spend it. With the
0: uh, with the you know you're be, you being on the board um, with the NPA.
1: No, wait a minute. Let me stop. Or I'm you right oh, sorry. Yeah, so you so, so there's a board, there's a board for the NPA that we have no dealings with. They don't tell us anything that's going on, but we have a board for the trust itself. When we get money from the trust, then we tell them how much is available. And they're the ones that vote on which projects are gonna be funded for. Ah, okay. Would you say that most states have a state club? Um, I would say no, but I could oh, be wrong, okay. but you can easily look in the, if you remember the NPA, they sent out a magazine and once or twice a year, they put the membership.
0: Oh, that's right in the back. Yeah. Was...
1: In the back. I have to use that all the time and affiliated clubs. There's quite a few. I'm looking at what the page right now there's, there's two full pages, but I can't say it's in every state. I don't know, but it's probably close if Good. it isn't
0: so if a club was if someone was trying to start a state club an npa affiliated state club is that something that the fund would be able to help them with
1: yeah so that's an interesting question i'm glad you asked that because this is what our mission is our mission is to financially support help support the npa and the pigeon hobby so that covers a lot of stuff right yeah and if you look at what we've done in the past just in the last two years, we funded um, Camp Carver. We did pigeon cages and tables. We did a trailer for the Utah Pigeon Club. Help help pay for some of that. We've done um, advertising in banners. A club back east that is looking at asking us for a bunch of money this next year to do advertising for for their um, for their shows. So. What I'm trying to say is it could be globally any kind of project that the NPA approves. And it's meant to benefit the pigeon hobby and the NPA. Now, one thing I want to say is we actually have what people don't know or recognize is that the Legacy Fund Trust has three pots of money. So one pot of money is if somebody says, we want you to help us invest our money, or we want you to help us pay for some cages down the road and people are gonna donate money to you, put it in this account, and then once we have enough, we pay it out. So we'll we'll just save the money for them if they choose and we can put it in a short-term CD or whatever they want. But, so there's one pot of money for projects only. There's that are funded for special reasons and those don't have to be approved by the NPA but, but we can't use dividends and interest. It's only money that's specifically designated for that project. Second, there's money called undesignated money that goes to donations. those are donations. It goes into the investment. Only the dividends and interest are used to pay for projects. And those have to be approved by the NPA. Now, if the NPA does not use all of the money that year, we're required to do one of two things we either reinvest that money put it back into investments or we're allowed to put it in our checking account and hold it to use for a future project for a future project that the legacy fund board is allowed to vote on and then the third set of money a savings account so depending on how a person writes their checkout for the donation depends on which plot of money goes into but if they don't write anything a note to us we automatically put it into investments because that's where we always assume it's going to go so i wanted to mention that because in a couple of these cases the npa board doesn't vote on how the money is is used but they definitely vote for all the big projects we only usually have a little bit of money left over to to fund small projects that we can vote on and do, and one of those this year was there was some money left over that that nobody requested funds for, so we paid for a banner for the Idaho State Fair, and it's an NPA banner advertising the NPA at a state fair. Excellent. The Arizona Pigeon Club actually used to
0: kind of steward the show for the Arizona State Fair. And then interest fell away a few years ago. And now the interest has really come back in a big way. And even some individuals, especially breeds clubs, you know, with the Arizona Pigeon Club, we're talking about getting it going again, back at the fair, even that, you know, county fairs, state fairs, it doesn't right. always have to be shows that, you know, the club puts on. It's all, it's all good for the pigeon hobby. It's,
1: right. It's right. Get right. out there with the shows. I mean, like you're saying, everybody likes going to the shows. And... Our county fair is not supported very well, I don't think in Utah not as well as i think it could be but we do have a, a young bird show usually i think it's in july and that's well attended and then we ha- they have a show that they started up the last couple of years in northern uh, well in ogden which is northern salt, north of salt lake and it's just been going a few years and it's getting some interest people are showing that so people like showing birds fancy birds are all about showing that's that's the big thing about fancy
0: Breeds. yeah and it's all yeah i mean especially when you go to a fair or something because people go to their fair for a lot of reasons and usually kind of caught off guard by some of these different rare breeds when they see them
1: yeah i i love i wrote an article and i've never published about the unique breeds and to me a unique breed is something that looks different than homer but but a part of roller or parlor tumbler they're they might look a lot like just a regular roller but they yeah. have a, uni- a unique trait but i think of jacobins and scandrooms and fantails yeah. They're very unique structure compared to a homer. I mean, yeah. or any of these breeds with big muffs. I mean, yeah. and the one, the one, there's two amazing breeds in my mind that have benefited from breeders becoming a great breed. And that's those domestic show flights. They've really made those really, really good. And then second is they've taken the English trumpeter from what it was to what it is now they're powerful they sit low big muffs big crests short bodies those are that's taken some real breeding skill to get those two breeds where they're at and that's kudos that's not what just happened those were selective <laughs> yeah. breedings to get them to the quality they're at right now absolutely i think another one would be
0: the uh american show racer
1: i got yeah, some of these I, I old, I would oh,
0: definitely agree with that. Oh, I look at these old American pigeon journals from the 70s and 80s, and you look at those; they just look like a regular racing homer almost. Yeah, right, right, right. And uh, now they're uh, they're a totally different animal. It's they've really yeah. changed a lot of features on those yes yeah,
1: that's definitely one of the breeds that the competition is really tough at a national. They mm-hmm. that's a breed because there's some really good breeders in in that breed.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty popular breed, I think, here in the states. Yeah, it seems to be. Uh, Ryan Bateman's going to come on and talk with us about the American Bohemian Powder.
1: Yeah. Every time I see I've been to his house one time, talked to him. Oh, really? I actually, tried to get him on our board one time, and <laughs> I guess he didn't have time cause, with his job. But I always give him crap about the spot on the heads. I tell him, you need to get a washcloth and wash that spot off <laughs> the top of your head. <laughs>
0: Hey, if you can't breed it out, just make it the standard.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It it is a neat breed. I really like it. It, That's a nice breed. I don't know what powder breed that Lane Gardner breeds, but it's a big, tall one. But it's a real pretty bird, too. Mm -hmm. That's the wood breed one.
0: Yeah, and that's he's done a lot of work to uh, really kind of get that breed back up and more well-known, get a lot more people breeding that bird and showing that
1: bird. One of the things he's also done is... He's really got the white bars in, um, I'm assuming, old Bullard, one of the stencils. I, I don't know. I haven't asked him about all the genetics. But um, some of his little powders have those white bars, and it's hard to get a good, clean white bar on, wow. on a dark bird like that. So, well,
0: come up against the clock here. And okay. <clears throat> I really appreciate you coming on and talking with us uh, Man, I kind of I kind of want to get into the genetic side of it again with you sometime. Because yeah, let's set up another
1: <laughs> podcast in the future, and I'll set up some material beforehand. Yeah, and we can uh, discuss it and talk about some of the pictures. And I'd be I'd love to just talk genetic for half hour an hour. I, I like it.
0: Yeah, we can do the uh, part one, part two. Because I mean, it really, like I said, the combinations that you can play with, and it depends on what you're going for, of course. But yeah, yeah. Uh, learning no, about one, it.
1: part one and part two would be good because i'd send you the material we could talk about part one and get people interested in the very basics and teach them the very basics then we could go into some of the color and how they're modified or masked or things like that that would be outstanding to do can you give us a website or anything
0: that we can go to and learn more about the legacy trust fund
1: we are on the npa website and we're also listed in the npa quarterly magazines but you can call me at 801-259-8036. And I'm also listed usually in the front page of one of the quarterlies as one of the officers. I'm not an officer, but I'm an elected elected person. My email is Mike underscore Miles80 at Yahoo.com. So I'd go to the website of the NPA, which is NPAUSA.com. Or go if you're a member, go to the NPA Quarterly. I'm listed in there as well as other... There's other trustees and they can tell you about it as well. Excellent. Well, yeah, like I've said this before, you know, if, if
0: any of our listeners aren't members of the NPA, get on it. It's one of those things, like I say, you know, support those who support you. And there's really nothing else like the NPA as far as what they do for the
1: actual members. No, there's nothing. It's a national club. They create national standards and they have a brand new national standard book coming out. i looking
0: forward this to year. getting that. Yeah,
1: it's going to be yeah. a good book. I have the last, latest, but I'm hoping to see what the new changes are. This yeah, um, is quite a bit. We're part, yeah. yeah, we're part of the NPA. We're not advertised as much as I'd like, and we're gonna. We've talked about that. We're gonna improve the advertising in the near future. I'm hoping to write a few more articles. And call us anytime. I'm semi-retired, so I'm available.
0: Excellent, Mike. Thanks again for coming on, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing some of those pictures you send our way
1: yeah well you're welcome i was glad to get on here and talk pigeons (laughs) always yeah okay thanks mike you're welcome thank you